Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, good morning, Kia ora and uh, welcome into your Monday. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. No, Smithy uh, today, he's still away in Australia, of course. He had the big call last night and uh, the Black Caps once again defeated, this time uh, a little bit closer, a lot more runs, a different track, but the same result. We're going to talk to Daniel McCarty about that, who called the game for SENZ yesterday. He's called all three games of the series and we're going to catch up with him around 9.30 to talk about that and where the Black Caps sit at the moment. Does New Zealand cricket need to be as ruthless as what Australian cricket is? You know, after what they did with Aaron Finch this tournament, he, I think, scored a total of 21 runs in the series against Zimbabwe. He's obviously had a terrible series against New Zealand and he's gone. Retired from ODIs, going to be replaced as captain of the ODI team. I guess the question is just with who? And uh, we'll get to all of that with Daniel McCarty. After 9.30, we're also going to talk around 10 o'clock. We'll have a panel. Sam Hewitt and Mark Watson are going to join us. We'll talk some of the big news from the weekend, including the NRL. Speaking of the NRL, Andrew Voss is going to join us after 11 o'clock as well. The voice of Rugby League, as he dubbed it, Sin Bin Sunday. We're going to have a confessional with Vossi. And we're also going to catch up with Dave Allen, our IndyCar expert. Of course, uh, the last race of the IndyCar season is on today. We hoped, hoped that Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin might be in with a chance to win the championship, but uh, at this stage looking pretty unlikely. They're a bit too far down the field, a bit too far off the pace uh, in Monterey today. So, But we'll catch up with Dave Turner to talk that, and Indy Lights as well. All of that and more to come, plus your calls between now and 9.30 on 0800 What a way to farewell the breeding ground of New Zealand motorsport, Pukekohe Park Raceway. The Giz put himself on top of the podium for the last supercars race to be held at the Grand Old Lady, and he dubbed it better than Bathurst. It was fitting that one of her progenies stand proud and victorious on that final day as we bid farewell to a place that's given so much joy to Kiwi sport fans and produced so many champions. Generations of big names started there. Paul Radisich, Jason Richards, Greg Murphy, Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin, and then the likes of Jim Richards, Bruce McLaren, Denny Holm, and Chris Amon further back. It's not just New Zealand's best drivers that have tested their medal there either. Graham Hill, Kike Rosberg, Jackie Stewart, Sterling Moss, Peter Brock, Dick Johnson, some celebrated names 
have visited these shores and tested themselves on that track. There's a huge amount of history there, and I hope it's recognised and remembered in an appropriate way. And then there's Kenny Smith. You can't mention Pukekohe and not mention Kenny Smith. The bloke has been racing at Pukki almost as long as it's been running, and will have more laps and more sweat on that track than anywhere, anyone else. He will feel its closure more than most. Where next? Highland Park? Hampton Downs? Taupo Motorsport Park? These are all possibilities, but nothing will have the magic and mana of Pukekohe. Talkback Time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. It's eight past nine. Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for him, of course, and I want to hear from you. A uh, big weekend of sport, of course. We've currently got the US Open men's final on. We have got IndyCar final race of the season on. We've got the NFL underway proper. All the games going on at the moment as well. A few have already finished. We've had the Sevens World Cup finals. Disappointment for New Zealand, both the women, uh, Black Ferns, losing to the Aussies and the men's, the All Black Sevens, losing to Fiji, but two silver medals at the Sevens World Cup for New Zealand. Then there was the cricket last night and three zip at red. It was a better performance from the Black Caps, probably a better team, better balance. Great to see Glenn Phillips get an opportunity and really make those Aussies stand up and take notice of him. Nish had a good uh, good session with the bat as well. Jimmy Nishman, Finn Allen impressed at the top, so the future is bright. New Zealand cricket, but when will New Zealand cricket pull the trigger on some of the older, more storied names and is it time to start making those changes as we've seen the Australian cricket team do? Keen to hear from you on your highlight from the weekend. Of course, it wasn't all doom and gloom. We had Pukekohe and we bowed out beautifully, as I just mentioned there, with the giz on top of the podium. What are your favourite, most treasured memories of Pukekohe? How will you remember Remember that great racetrack. Let us know. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. And then what about those NRL finals? Man, I mean, we saw the Panthers take on the Eels on Friday night. Taylor May, yellow carded. Sinbin in the first 10 minutes. Oh, damn shame. And then did his hammy, apparently. Might not be fit for the grand final. If that's not proof that karma exists, what is? Hey, um, so we had that game. How hilarious was that, though, <laughs> when that happened? I was just like, I was watching, and when that happened, and I'm like thinking, Peter Volandis, I wish we had a camera on Peter Volandis <laughs> right on this very moment, because, as you said, that was karma coming home to roost, wasn't it? It was. I'm wondering whether or not Peter Volandis is going to delay the grand final a week so that Taylor May can play, um, you know, give the fans what they want, um, and all of that. Um, so we had that game. We had the Storm being beaten by a very good Raiders team as well, so the Storm are gone 
week one of the finals. We had an absolute ding-dong at Shark Park as well, and the Cowboys getting up by two over the Sharkies. That was a fantastic game of footy. And then yesterday, as Andrew Voss coined it, Sin Bin Sunday. Get me to a confessional. Seven Sin Bins in the roosters Rabbitohs game. It was all on. It was like state of origin intensity, that game. No love lost out there. They absolutely battered each other. Fantastic. So your highlight of the weekend, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. What was your highlight of the weekend? Keen to hear from you because there was so much sport on over the weekend and it is still going. Uh, Of course, we had the Chatham Cup final too yesterday at North Harbour Stadium and the Kate Shepherd Cup final. Had a couple of winners in Auckland United taking out the uh, Kate Shepherd Cup Final 1-0 over Northern Rovers. And Auckland City prevailing as well in a very tight final over Eastern Suburbs 1-0. But it means they have won three titles this season. The Oceania Champions League, the Chatham Cup and the Northern Prem as well with the National League still to come. Auckland City, very storied franchise and very winning. It's Pataya, who else is very winning? And that is Kendra Coxedge and the Canterbury NP, uh, Farah Palmer Cup team. They absolutely destroyed the Auckland Storm in the final. And Kendra Coxedge went out on top in the red and black in her 100th game as well. What an absolute champion she is. Where does Kendra sit in the rugby goats for you? Not just in the women's game, but overall. I mean, she's given so much, sacrificed so much, been such a dominant figure in women's rugby. So give us a call, 0800 150 That's where Cliff comes to us from, out of Dunedin. G'day, Cliff, how you doing? Yeah, good, Ricardo. Um, just talk about the cricket, please. Yeah, sure. What did you make of that I series? Want... Well, we just we just didn't have the hammer to put down at any time. The, um, last night I, I thought we talked with Bolt. They started off. He, he was amazing. He was amazing in the series. Bold. He well, so well, so attacking, and he didn't give anything away. And then um, we just can't really keep the pressure on. Mitchell bowled two overs, and he bowled all right. Two overs for seven, and then he took him off, and he never bowled again. That meant that Nishan had to bowl eight, a whole eight overs, and I was always worried that he would have to come back for a second spell, and he got. He got tonged. He had no mid-on back, and he kept on driving him. I think he hit him three times for boundaries down to mid-on, and he had no one back there. And I thought, ah, oh, this is what's what's the go here? But I think Big Brother just has got the wood on us at the moment. Yeah, we, we just got to get the, it's that top little top inch, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, where, where did you put that down to? Did you put that down to? Um, Poor captaincy or poor bowling? What you were just talking about with with Nisham? Well, I I think he, I don't. I, a couple of times he pitched up a little bit, but he really needed that mid on back, and I I just can't fathom out why he he wasn't getting hit square. He was getting hit straight, and he and he just needed that man back. And those boundaries would have only been singles. And and but Williamson is a funny sort of captain. One minute he looks like he's he's attacking and he's got the goods. The next minute he just sort of it's almost like he goes quiet on the field and and nothing happens and the, and the bowlers just it just drifts. Yeah, I tell you, you brought up a good point too about Daryl Mitchell. I mean, Daryl Mitchell, as far as I'm uh, I'm concerned, is a uh, 
is an all-rounder. Um, and that those two overs that he bowled in that third game are the first two overs he's bowled all series. Yeah, I've never, I, I have not actually seen him bowl before. Um, he just never seems to bowl in any game. But, he's, but he is in the team as a, a batsman who bowls. Whereas Nisham's probably more of a bowler, but but a, a couple more overs would have taken the pressure off Nisham anyway. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we saw that in that second game. I thought Nisham did a really good job with the ball until about the last two overs that he had to bowl, and then he went for runs. So yeah. it, it might well, have it might have been better doing it like a six four split, something like that. Yeah, but the golf. I watched the golf yesterday. Uh, I watched Rory. He, Rory McIlroy's always been my player, and he played so well yesterday. I think he shot sixty four. Um, it was it was amazing. You know the shots he played from distance, and he, how he can hold the ball hitting two hundred and thirty meters in the air, and then stop it within a you know basically a couple of meters from there. But this morning I see the, um, the he finished second equal with John Rahm, who shot a a big score too. I think he was nine under today. So he came. Some of these guys come from behind. Yeah, the other guy, Brett, uh, Guy Reed, the Yank guy, he was the same. He, he shot big score today. You know, to get get himself in the money. Oh, is that Patrick Reed? So, Patrick Reed. Yeah. 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 So it'd be a good look tonight. Have a have a have a. I just speed through it. I record it. And then just go through, watch watch how the the top guns are doing, watch a few good shots. It's always good. Yeah, I missed, I missed the football on the weekend. My team, the Hammers. So yeah, hopefully we'll that week's break will just freshen us up, and we'll be able to come out and what knock you- a few. Man United, look, I, I'm amazed at Man United. I watched their first two games, and then they've changed probably three or four key individuals in that side, and suddenly they look like a, a contender again. So they're looking not bad, mate. They're looking not bad. The problem is the depth outside of that starting 11 that um, uh, Ten Hag wants to play. You saw he had to make a few changes for that Europa League game, and it didn't quite work, didn't quite come off for him. I, actually, Cliff, on that, you know, I mean, I know the Queen passed away and stuff, and they suspended cricket for a day and that, but it felt like the wrong move, suspending um, the whole round of football, particularly in a World Cup year, because apparently that wasn't even a government call. The government told them they could do what they like, and the, and the, and the FA decided what? to postpone everything, which is, I think, it's going to cause havoc down the line. Wouldn't it have been great if all the teams had sung "God Save the Queen" and and then three cheers for the King before and after the game or something? Yeah, well, they could have done. They could have done that. You know, they. Uh, I yeah, think. Um, I, you know, what better way to get in a game that can be so divisive amongst fans? What a better way to get everybody together? Yeah, it was it was an opportunity. I wouldn't have knocked them out so quick because you know some of those games are starting pretty much the next day. So yeah, exactly, yeah, mate. No, would have I would have I would have played them, but hopefully it'll be good games this week but yeah. yeah have a good day Ricardo yeah you too Cliff thanks for your call 0800 150 is the number you can also text us on the Temper Bedpost text machine double eight double three. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort uh, highlight of the weekend for Dan was without doubt the NRL playoffs brutal the cricket has become a yawn apart from Trent and uh, Ricardo looks like the Black Caps need new voices 
in there with new ideas. Got damn good players, but they are playing with no confidence, especially in the batting net from Richard. Thanks for your text, Richard. Keep them coming through. Brenton is on uh, the line out of Auckland. G'day, Brenton. How you doing? Good, man. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good, good. What did you want to um, cover? Oh, I'm talking about the mighty Panthers getting the job done, mate. The mighty, mate, they, they they did, didn't they? Against that, uh, I mean, I'm an Eels yeah. fan, mate, and I've, you know, Eels beat the Panthers twice this year. I was pretty confident they'd do it again, but once they lost yeah. Moses early, it was uh, it was all uphill. Yeah, it was a good game up for them, eh? And then, um, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I'd be, uh, I hope, I, I hope he know, I comes back all right for the uh, for the game against the Raiders this weekend. Yeah, it'll be a big loss if he, he's out. I might have to change my tip on that one. What did you uh, What did you make of the Rabbits Roosters yesterday, mate? How brutal was that? Oh, I actually didn't enjoy it too much, mate. There was too many. Um, it, was, it was a good physical game, but like, there's just too many stoppages in the end. It's like everyone's getting sent off for no reason. It's like sometimes the guy hit the ball and it bounced up, hit him in the head, and they go, "Oh, okay, get in the bin." It's a bit like rugby, yeah. isn't it? All the stoppages. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. It's the longest game I think they've ever had on uh, without going into extra time. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm interested to see what yeah. Vossi reckons when we get Vossi on at uh, eleven o'clock, mate. So make sure you tune in that for uh, for that, Brenton. Hey, thanks for your call, mate. Yeah, you too, mate. Cheers, uh, Brenton there out of Auckland. You can get a hold of us 0800 150811 or text us double eight double three. It is 20 past nine here on Mornings with Ian Smith. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Jay Pasola, straight bowling! He's bowling! Smithy's Cricket Update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Yeah, our White Ferns are en route to the West Indies. Before they left, Molly Penfold, the uh, fast bowler, was talking about working with the new coach, Ben Sawyer, as he's a former fast bowler, and her return to the game. Yeah, it's been great. The couple camps that I got to to get a few tips and tricks from him, which was nice. Um, it went really well, and I think it's just very, yeah, it's very handy that he's a pace bowling coach as well. So, yeah, I've trying to pick up, ask as many questions as I can, and um, yeah, just develop my game as a pace bowler, really. And personal objectives for you on the team? Yeah, I try try and get as much game time as I can if possible. Um, but it's just there, like take the opportunity as it comes. Um, there's a lot to learn from it, um, training-wise and playing-wise, hopefully. So, um, yeah, it's just, again, asking a lot of questions and just ask if, I know there's a lot of sport from the girls around me as well. So, um, yeah, it's always great to have the girls back me. Also, Lauren Down, she's making her comeback after taking some time away, and she reflected on making that comeback against the West Indies. To be honest, I'm just looking forward to getting back out there and, and playing some cricket for New Zealand and enjoying being back out there with the girls. And, you know, hopefully the results will come and we can enjoy a few wins. Yeah, it's my first time touring the West Indies, so looking forward to it and trying to, I guess, learn how to play over there and, and what the conditions are like. And as you say, for the younger girls, what an awesome opportunity to tour somewhere we don't very often and play against a good West Indies side in their home conditions. Yeah, I think they'll be really strong um, at home. You know, when they tour in New Zealand, they sometimes don't like the cold, but that's certainly not going to be a problem over here in Antigua. So they're going to be a strong side and they've got a lot of key players that we need to watch out for. But hopefully if we do what we do best, we'll come out with a good result. So that's the White Ferns on their way to the West Indies. Also, of course, we had uh, Game 3 of the Chapel Hadley series. Captain Kane Williamson was talking post-match and he was asked if he felt like that was one 
that slipped away yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice having said that. Um, you know, in terms of the cricket, we needed to uh, apply pressure for longer, and basically throughout the series, we weren't um, clinical enough in, in that. And um, credit to Australia, uh, they're, they're always a strong side, and um, you know they have another a number of weapons throughout their attack, which um, you know, and they're all bowling beautifully. So um, frustrating, but. You know, for us, there were glimpses, but it is about taking it further and putting out more collective performances. So what is the 12 months out from the uh, World Cup? Can you take much out of this um, going into that? Um, I mean, you can learn as much as you can, and um, and these are those sorts of opportunities, although um, there's frustration and disappointment, but um, a lot to take from it, from um, you know, a very, very good side, um, always there or thereabouts in, in world competitions. Uh, and you know, some of these sorts of conditions um, we might be exposed to as well uh, in India. So um, you know, it's important we do address it, um, do try and be better for it. In terms of the wicket, it was different pitch to the first two games. How did you find that? What were the differences? Yeah, yeah it was um, slightly better and... and um, it's still, you know, it was if you got it in the right area, it was going to be tricky. And I thought um, the way Australia batted um, Steve Smith, you know, to soak up that pressure. I think they were 18 or 19 after 10 overs, and um, and really try and win moments and, and pounce in, in different periods of play to um, to maximise, you know, a competitive total. And, and they were able to do that to take the game deep and, and give yourself the opportunity to to try and um, you know basically go for boundaries because it was. The, the risk in, in chasing the boundaries on those sorts of surfaces is high, so you do need to try and do, I believe, a, a lot of that hard work, which Steve did, um, and really set the Australian side up to, to get a very, very good total on that wicket. There you go. That is Kane Williamson reflecting on the Chapel Hadley Game 3. Uh, that is some of these cricket update. Thanks to Razine. Uh, coming up shortly, we're going to catch up with Daniel McCarty, who was the lead commentator for SENZ on that Chapel Hadley series. Get his thoughts on the series and where New Zealand cricket goes from here. That is coming up for you after the latest in news and sport with Araha Hathaway, which is right now. It's mornings with Ian Smith. No, Smithy, he's been in Australia calling the cricket for Sky and the man that has been uh, here calling the cricket for SENZ joins us now. Uh, you might recognise this voice from the Saturday session as well. Uh, Daniel McCarty, good morning to you, sir. Rick Dog, another treat to hear you. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm good. Uh, disappointing Chapel Hadley series, wasn't it? I mean, uh, what do we have? The Aussies at 5 for 44 and 5 for 54 and just didn't put the foot on the throat. I'm not sure if disappointing is the right word I would use. I'd probably go for something a little bit stronger. Like, there's no shame in losing a one-day series to Australia in Australia, but just the fact that New Zealand were well and truly in those games, if not in dominant positions throughout uh, all three. You, you look back to the first innings of uh, the first game when uh, New Zealand were 170-odd for the loss of three, 53 for six, then that followed over the last nine overs of the innings to take them to probably a slightly below par score rather than a winning total. They had Australia's top order all at sea uh, in that run chase, 150 runs then. Um, you know, I don't really need to labour the point of that second game. The batting performance just wasn't up to it. And, and last evening, 49 without loss, 
and then just unfortunately for them, that sort of self-inflicted wound, there were, there were too many soft dismissals. I can't remember too many, um, you know, great balls that uh, dismissed New Zealand batsmen last night uh, and New Zealand has melted away under the pressure and those, those key, key moments. You have to be, and I'll use what Grant Elliott described throughout the series, you need to be relentless in Australia. You need to be able to front up to that pressure. And unfortunately, New Zealanders have not overcome what I think is, is quite clearly a, a mental hurdle playing in Australia. That's 10 one-day internationals and counting. It, that's just not good enough for a side that clearly has the talent. It does have the talent, mate. I mean, we've, see, we've seen it. our opponents in this series have won at three zip and they've sacked their captain because he's not scoring runs with the bat. The Australians are ruthless when it comes to that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. They're a winning team. They demand performances. We could do it with a bit more of that back here, couldn't we? It feels like we've, while we're the nice guys of international cricket, when Brendan was at the helm, we did have a ruthless streak. But that feels like it's gone and we've got all the cutting edge of a marshmallow at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah not, what's it? 2009, February 2009, New Zealand last tasted success in Australia in any form of the game. 10 1 day internationals. Uh, and if you're good enough to get to 170 on for three and have the Australians five down for, what was it, 44 and 55 in two games, you know, um, you, you've got to be ruthless. But you have, and I know it's really hard for us to say this, uh, Ricardo, but you have to admire Australia's ability to fight back. Mm. Um, when their back's against the wall, they, they always seemingly come up with something. We described it in commentary when they have their backs up against the wall, you've got to drive the Mack truck into them. They've got, you've got to drive them into the wall, don't you? So they can't get out. So um, hugely frustrating. Here's the summary of the series. New Zealand's top scorer in an individual innings was uh, Glenn Phillips with 47. New Zealand did not score over 50 uh, throughout that series. Australia had five scores over 50, including 200s. Uh, that, that's the difference, isn't it? So... Um, uh, credit to the Australians on, the, on that front. New Zealand's batting just not up to it. And you look over the streak of 10 losses to Australia and Australia, I was counting the numbers last night, uh, Ricardo. Uh, Australia's had 24 innings of 50 or more, including 400s. New Zealand's had seven in that time. So the efforts of Trent Bolt, um, he was my man of the series. Mm. 10 wickets, an average of 10. He was extraordinary. Um, and, and just unfortunately, the, the top order just weren't able to uh, to take them deep enough to win games of cricket. What did you make of um, Kane Williamson's captaincy? Um, I thought, you know, particularly like the first game, it felt like they were bowling to predetermined plan. Okay, after this many, we take these guys off, we put these guys on. Um, it didn't take anything into account in terms of what the ball was doing or how the bowlers were going. It it felt like captaincy by numbers in a way. Yeah, I felt that was certainly the case in the first game. A look at the Trent Bolt spell where he's only bowled five overs. He was unplayable. The right-handers were having an utterly torrid time. I felt like bowling maybe him six or seven there uh, was the key. I felt they just allowed the likes of Green and Kerry to get too many singles and get some momentum into the innings. I'll give them credit. They adjusted for game number two um, and actually were a little bit more ruthless with regards to going to these front-line bowlers. And that left them a little bit exposed towards the death. And Australia were good enough. Um, what, 78 runs combined between numbers 9, 10 and 11. Still, that's too many, isn't it? That's too many. So it, it made some adjustments there. Uh, but, but I felt um, yesterday it, it wasn't so much about the captaincy. Uh, Shane and Smith just, just read those conditions so well. What were Australia, 29 for two after mm-hmm. 15 overs? Yep. Uh, the Australian fans were giving Kane Williamson a lot of grief for being blocker Williamson. But... Uh, but 
what, what the Australians did is, is they negotiated that tough period and then they're savage enough to kick on. Um, New Ze- you look at that New Zealand scorecard, I don't think there's a more frustrating sight is there, uh, Ricardo, in cricket when you have scores of 35, 21, 27, 10, 18, 16, 47, 36, 30. There's just too many starts and not going on. We know, we know one day cricket is about um, you know, 80 runs. So, yeah, I, I don't think Williamson's captaincy was perfect. I, I'm more concerned about his batting and how much he's enjoying the game. He doesn't look like he's having a great old time. Uh, hopefully he can get back to scoring runs because uh, he's a key part. So, you know, captaincy probably could have been sharper, but it still comes down to the individuals uh, with the bat, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, I think part of that too, I mean, like we saw with the Aussies with Aaron Finch, I'll you know, remind you of that again because uh, they were completely ruthless with that. But I do wonder how he's going with that elbow injury. I, I heard somebody talking about mm-hmm. the way he is playing and that, you know, pre-injury, he would get his elbow really, really high so he could play the ball late pretty much right under his eyes a lot of the time. But he's not able to do that now, so he's having to play further away from his body. That's giving him trouble, and that's also affecting his ability to make shots. Um, I don't know if you've got any take on that or, or how you saw him batting in this series. You know, it's hard to get into his mind and his body and actually feel the impacts of it. Uh, he certainly doesn't appear that the free-flowing uh, player and I just felt he allowed the Australians maybe to, to dictate terms a little bit too much. I'm thinking of, of the top score of 17 off 50-odd balls, I think it was. Abbott hitting that hard length. He never sort of used the crease going forward, going back. I think the elbow is going to be a persistent problem for him. Uh, we, we hope it doesn't sort of uh, truncate that career of his. But he's, just a, a, he's a wonderful player, and he will get back to his best. But... Uh, um, he, he just looks just a little bit off the pace at the moment, but he certainly wasn't the, the only uh, batsman who sort of struggled. Tom Latham's another one. They'll probably stick with him. I, I think that's fair enough. He's a, he's a fine player of spin, and with a World Cup in India, I think he will be a key contributor. Uh, Devin, we know Devin Conway's got the talent. Um, Finn Allen looks very, very optimistic. Uh, looked like quite a prospect, didn't he, last night? I know Australian colleagues were quite enamoured with his uh, sort of assertiveness. Um, and, and striking ability. Uh, his innings was all too short, just 35 off 38. Uh, I think a bigger question is, where does, where does Martin Guptill fit in all of this? Was this, mm. was this a chance to give Finn Allen just a go with the idea maybe Conway could bat in the middle order? Um, or, or is Guptill now sort of fighting for his place? That, these are some sort of questions I've been left with at the end of the series. Yeah. That, though, I'm not sure I know the answer. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I've, I've brought up Kane's captaincy. We've talked about his, his elbow injury, and I don't mean to keep harping on it about this, but in this form of the game, I know we have a World Cup coming up, but with everything, he, all the commitments he has with IPL, etc., and being the test captain, you know, is it something that Stead should be having to talk to him about and saying, mate, you know, why don't you step away from this? We can give you a break here. We can we can uh, blood a new captain, and whether it be Tom Latham or whoever, we've got these players coming through, and uh, and, and it gives him some time away from the game and, and clears up his schedule a wee bit. Yeah, well, he's missed a lot of games due to injury, which um, has allowed the, the opportunity for the likes of Saudi to captain in T20, Latham in the one-day uh, environment. But it is a big burden, isn't it, uh, Ricardo? And I, I've been talking about this for four or five years. Can you ask one man to, to carry the load of all three? Australia have split their captaincy for a long time, heck. Uh, they've split their coaching setups at times throughout. So you've got a lot of power uh, sitting at the lap of two people, uh, the captain and the coach. The selectors, Gavin Larson, helped them select the side. But in tour, those two um, 
have such an important role, don't they, in conjuring their sides. Um, I don't think their selections, less so in this series, but I look at the Test Series in England, some of those selections, you know, Michael Bracewell being cast as a frontline spinner still has me scratching my head. So yeah, I think it's certainly worth considering, um, you know, easing that burden on a guy who is still, you know, I know he's in his 30s, but he's still relatively young and surely we the priority is to see Cade Williamson uh, scoring as many majestic runs as possible because he is truly a world-class player and we haven't, haven't always been able to breed such players. Uh, here's a question for you, Daniel. What is Daryl Mitchell? I, assume, I thought he was an all-rounder, but he's only bowled two overs in this entire series. Why do you think Kane's been reluctant to bowl him or is, is, is that something else? Yeah, I was a little bit baffled too, mainly due to the conditions, especially in that, that second game. Uh, maybe also at times during the first game, I thought they would give him a go. Uh, it was such a slow track. He's the slower of, of the uh, the seam options, you know, low 120s, mid 120s. Jimmy Neesham was, was far more preferred. Uh, Neesham, they, they had to go back to late. They had to go back to, you know, one of uh, Neesham and... Uh, or Mitchell for that death over as they again tried to get their frontline bowlers out of the way early. And, uh, you know, Nishan had a bit of a rough day, and I think the Australians really targeted him as they got adjusted. So, um, Daryl Mitchell, I, I think they've got to have a little bit more faith in throwing him the ball. Um, and if you can do that, and if he can make it a decent first of it, uh, Ricardo, that does allow you a little bit more flexibility um, with regard to maybe dropping Devin Conway down and playing Allen and Guptill. Mm. Uh, I, I do like the specialists in one-day cricket. I, I think Australia fell into a better balanced side due to the uh, the body cramps of Cameron Green. Abbott coming in as a, a frontline third seamer, I, I just think made them a, a far tougher proposition with uh, Paul. He was incredible, wasn't he? He's done seven maidens in about 14 overs in that series. Uh, I don't know where that came from, and, and New Zealand just weren't able to, to get to him. So, uh, yeah. The, always the balance of a one-day side um, uh, is such a tough one for teams that, and maybe New Zealand need to consider theirs. Yeah, uh, I mean, the thing that I, I talked about it last week, I don't know if you caught it, but we were talking about how it's a, it almost seems a mentality thing, you know, 2009, so it's not just this group of players, not just this coach. Um, I suggested maybe Gilbert and Oka needs a, a phone call. It's a mentality mm. thing. I mean, how do we get over that? It's, it's, it's much like teams coming to Eden Park to play the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's fair, and I don't think you want to overact and throw the baby out of, with the bathwater, Ricardo. You know, prior to this series, New Zealand had won 15 of 17 one-day internationals. Yes, against lesser opposition, but uh, they've swept aside a lot of sides. Um, you know, even, you know, we, we've seen what they did at the 2019 World Cup, the 2015. They have been an excellent one-day international side, but I'm sorry, I, and I'm sure this is echoed by New Ze- a lot of New Zealand fans, it's growing tiresome and cumbersome that New Zealand go to Australia, don't play to their best, and we have to listen to Australian fans sort of look down their noses at us. When we know the truth that the talent's there, it has to be upstairs. Um, it, is, it is a cruel place to play cricket. It's not easy. I'm not trying to, you know, diminish how, how difficult it is to play over there, but... but it, it does seem quite obvious to me that New Zealand have a bit of a mental block. And, heck, they, their first game at the T20 World Cup in Australia is against Australia. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens when we get there, mate. We'll see what happens when we get there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's all to do for Gary Stead and Co. And yeah, some of the selections were interesting too. I mean, I know that third Zimbabwe game was probably after they'd already announced the squad. But when you see a leg spinner, um, you know, take five for ten and three overs against the Aussies, and we know that Australia have struggled against leg spin previously. Why do we have three offies in the squad? And if Sodi left sitting at home, do you reckon? Well, Isodi's a specialist spinner. Um, doesn't add much with the bat. Not the best in the field. I, I think Santner, as far as if you go him head-to-head, Santner's average is exactly the same with a far better economy rate, better with the bat, better in the field. So I understand why Santner gets the nod. And the other two are sort of what I describe Bob each way cricketers. Um, hitters, uh, although I, I thought Phillips looked good bar the run out. What a calamitous run out of the captain that was. Uh, I wonder if he made any eye contact with the skipper when he got back in the shed. But, but that's to my point about specialists. Um, you know, if conditions suit, which they will in India, uh, I think Asodi's um, certainly in the mix, uh, you know, for the biggest tournament on the rise in, in around about a year's time. Uh, the question begs, though, who will be opening the bowling for New Zealand? Is Trent Bolt going to be there? Have we seen the last of Trent Bolt in one day international cricket? We know there's no certainty. And boy, if, if that was a swan song, it was just uh, brilliant. What an amazing bowler he is. His one day record is sparkling, averaging in the mid 20s, economy under five. Gee, he leaves a frighteningly big hole if that is indeed it for Trent Bolt. One, um, New Zealand won't be able to replace like for like, but. Uh, They'll need to find a way. Um, where would New Zealand have been without Trent Bold in this series? It's a great Miles question. Miles off. Great question. Yeah, he was he was superb. Head and shoulders, mate. I'll tell you, the Phillips run out of Kane did remind me of both of running out boycott. And at the, at the time, I was like, thank God he's out. Well done, Glenn Phillips. That was my initial reaction. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, Kane, Kane Williamson led New Zealand's run scorers throughout the series. But, you know, the strike rate was under 50. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need me to tell him how to bat, and those numbers aren't good enough. But yeah, he's out of sorts at the moment, uh, and uh, you know, against such a disciplined Australian bowling attack, um, we just did uh, we just didn't have the answers. But you know, I look back at that series, Ricardo. It's not like New Zealand have been you know the top order's been knocked over in all three games. Guys have got in. You've just got to be relentless. Don't give these suckers a chance because. You know, they're, they're too good to turn it down. And now we have to listen to the Australians crowing, what, for another six years? When do we play the next Chevel Hadley? 2029? Yeah. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, you it'll... talk about an opportunity missed because the, this series, just, it's just hard to imagine it getting back into the international calendar with any regularity, which is a disappointment from my perspective. But the Australian cricket fans and their fan base are probably thinking, eh, we beat them every time over there. They, they constantly forget, though, that they struggle on our shores. That is true. That is true. Daniel, hey, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Uh, good to chat and uh, nice work on that uh, series here on SCNZ, mate. Enjoyed your work. Thanks, Ricardo. Take it easy, everyone. Yeah, will do, will do. Uh, only way we know how. Uh, Daniel McCarty there on SCNZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. It's 12 away from 10. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, all right. It's seven away from 10 o'clock. Uh, just uh, 
letting you know that Will Power has taken out the final race of the IndyCar season and won the IndyCar Championship as well. We'll talk more about that with Dave Allen at around 10.30. And in the US Open men's final, it's one set apiece going into the third. We'll be back with a TAB update for you next. Overall winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold it. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Yeah, you can watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18, here is your multi for today. Uh, this one I like is starting with the Dallas Cowboys up against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, now, Tom Brady has got no Gronkowski, no Antonio Brown this season. He's had hardly any preseason. And last season when these two teams met, it was a shootout. Uh, and it was only a two-point decision, 31-29 to the Bucks. I think Dallas, in Dallas, get up here. They are the outsiders. They're paying $2.13, so get on the Cowboys. Also tomorrow in the football, Roma. Jose Mourinho's Roma play Empoli. Uh, Jose Mourinho's team paying $1.72. Far too much talent to lose to an Empoli side who have yet to win this season. So get on them. And then in La Liga, Almeria versus Osasuna. Osasuna the favourites here, but it's going to be a tight game. So I've gone the double chance. Osasuna and the draw at $1.36. You can put all of those together and it returns four ninety eight. Jump on and get amongst. Here you go. Coming up in the next hour, we are going to talk Indy cars, Indy lights, and we're going to panel coming up real soon too with Sam Hewitt and Mark Watson. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. It has just gone three past ten, and we're doing the panel slightly earlier today because of IndyCar Monterey. Uh, that has finished now, and uh, it means that Will Power is the IndyCar champ for this year. We're going to talk to Dave Turner about that. He's got some news around Indy Lights for us as well. But joining us on the panel today is Sam Hewitt, fresh back from holiday, mate. How was your, how was your time oh, off? Good, mate. Yeah, recharge the batteries, as they say. Um, plenty of sport to sink my teeth into over the weekend as well, so it was, a, it was a, the right time to come back. Yeah, I know. You're proudly wearing your Red Sox t-shirt today, obviously. I am. Um, NFL started today. I know you're a Boston man. Pats yep. uh, got touched up by the Dolphins. Oh, you know, it just takes us a few weeks to get going. Um, <laughs> you know, we're building. Uh, well, there's a few more cliches I can throw out here. Uh, <laughs> now, nah, look, we. Um, it's interesting with the Pats, right, because obviously – the breakup of, of Brady and Belichick, which which was well documented, and everyone thought, you know, Bill, Belichick made Brady. The system made Brady, when clearly that wasn't the case, because he goes to the Buccaneers, he wins the Super Bowl, and the Patriots turn to poo. I just think it's it maybe a little bit of an all-black situation. Kind of maybe it's time for the Pats to move on. You know, maybe it's time to clear the clear the house a little bit. Bill's been around for a long time, great coach, of course, but you know the league's moved on. The players are different now. They're you know the quarterbacks are faster and they run and they're flashy. You know, it's not just about sitting in the pocket and passing like Peyton Manning and and Tom used to do for years and years. So. Yeah, look, it's uh, it was a depressing start, mm. and uh, I'm not hopeful to be honest for the rest of the season. But how do you, as somebody who's a Pats fan, feel about Tom Brady when you watch the Bucks play? Do you want them to oh, win? No, I do. I love him. I yeah. absolutely love him. Okay. In fact, I it's hard to know whether I'm a Pats fan or a Brady fan because the two were so intertwined. And I lived in Boston, that's why I'm a big Boston fan. But um, I'm a massive Tommy touchdowns, TB12. Um, T-Bone, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a massive fan. So I go for the Bucks when they're 
when the Pats aren't playing. Yeah, for sure. nice, nice. Yeah. All right, mate. Hey, I, I know um, uh, we didn't have any fell down on our. Uh, hey, this is what we're talking about today. But we did. <laughs> uh, we did have NRL first week of the finals, mate. Uh, mm. I don't know if it's just me because I'm an Eels fan, but boy, it's nice to see the Storm and the and the Roosters depart I round one. I tend to agree with you, Ricardo. Um, I look what a what a weekend! Like that was probably one of the best first weekend of finals I've seen um, in a long time. Just all the games across the board were just fantastic. Um, yeah, look, I, someone asked me. They said, "Who do you want to win?" and I said, you know, I'm very happy that the Storm and the Roosters aren't there. Couldn't, couldn't stand the Bunnies winning again. And um, I'm not really a big um, Shark slash Cowboys fan, so I wouldn't mind the Raiders getting up. And, you know, given that they finished in eighth spot, it would be quite a story for them to go all the way. Um, they're riding that momentum. You know, beating the Storm's no easy feat. I know the Storm have struggled this season, but that was a good Storm team, basically full strength, minus Pappenhausen. So, um I think I'd like the Raiders. I don't know if they can do it, but I I wouldn't mind them doing it. Sticky's got it over um, Bally AK. He does, that's, that's five in a row especially. now. Yeah, no, he, there's something about it, isn't there? Um, so they're uh, who are they taking on then? Are the Eels or are they taking yeah, on the Eels? Eels? They play the Eels. That'll be a good game. Yeah, that'll be a great game. I hope Mitchell Moses is fit. Because well, that, that's funny because people were saying and I. I despise people not despise people but I, I don't like when people rub it in that oh you know I knew the Panthers were going to win everyone was on the eels and I knew they were going to beat them well that was a big loss losing Mitchell Moses and yep. you know the game could have been different if that wasn't the case you know maybe the eels would have tipped them up So, and I don't think you can predict injuries so um, I was sort of not gutted because I also don't want the eels I know you're a big eels fan mm. Ricardo but I'm one of those um, very annoying Warriors fans that don't want the Eels to win before us. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyone but the Eels, well, probably. Well, we had a lot of hope going into the weekend because um, <laughs> I don't know if you heard have you, you heard the legend of the Eel Whisperer. No, but p- please tell. Well, up until this weekend, Andrew Voss had called the Eels 10 oh, times yes. this season. Yeah. And he, they'd won every time. Did he call them on Yeah, Friday? and he called, he called them on Friday. So well, you ask him about that after 11 o'clock. Oh, don't you worry. We will be. <laughs> he uh, an explanation from the big guy. Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, and the other the other stat is that the last time the Eels won the grand final, 1986, yep. number one movie at the box office. Oh, here we go. Wait, can I predict it? Yep. So it's obviously a remake this yep. year. Top Gun. Yeah, correct. There you get go. There you get go. In. Get in. So wow. It's written in the stars. That's a great stat, Ricardo. That's it's written in the stat. stars, mate, to be go fair. Go on there. Um, well, do you think they're going to do it, though? Or do you think they can, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they bounce back against Canberra, but then they're going to have to play, they're not going to play the Panthers or the grand final, right? Yeah. That's the way that draw works. So can they do it, do you think? I think they can. Uh, I mean, I don't think they can win four in a row, but now they don't need to. True. They can just win three in a row. Yeah, that's you know? fair. Yeah. Um, and, but they'll need Mitchell Moses. They'll, they definitely need Mitchell Moses, yeah. yeah. Um, that Roosters-Rabbits uh, game last nine. Yep. Mate, seven sin winnings. Yeah. Um, it was like it was origin intensity, wasn't it? It really was. And and I got caught in a bit of a debate um, with someone last night as to whether or not that was like good to watch, given you know, that so many sin and stoppages. I look at it two ways. First of all, I think the players were fully responsible last night. Like, they were all going high. They were all out to basically kill each other. Um, the intensity was, was massive. Um, and, and so I think in that regard, there deserved to be some symbolism. However, I do think that Ashley Klein lost control early. As soon as you go down that road, and he did go down that, down that road early, you have to keep going. And that's basically what the players are crying out for, right? Like the next high tackle was, oh, you've got to send him off. He goes, and he had to send him off. Then the yeah. next one comes, well, that's another one. So then it just got out of control. Um, but I still enjoyed watching it. Thought it was great theatre. Um, two, you know, very well-matched sides. Um, I mean, Latrell Mitchell is just a big-time player. I mean, he's got to be – he's up there with Cam Munster for me as one of the biggest clutch players in the NRL. Um, and, yeah, I, it just a packed out, um, what's it called, Allianz. And, um, 
yeah, just the, the noise of the crowd. It was like a like a state of O or a, or a grand final almost. So, yeah, bunnies, bunnies, bunnies. Like those, they're a smoky, mate. Well, yeah, they're, they're not really a smoky, but they finished seventh, so they in a way they are a smoky. But me and Kempi have been saying it for the last like two months. You know, riding momentum, they got the trail back. Um, he he opted out of Origin, um, knowing that he was a big asset to his side, and and I wouldn't be surprised if they. Make and you know the old saying: you got to lose one to win one. Maybe last year, you know, was what they needed, just like Penrith the year before, and they'll go through and, and win one this year. Especially so. how bad bad winners Penrith were last season. Can you imagine if it ends up Rabbits Panthers again and the Rabbits win? Yes, I can imagine that. Yeah. Um, I'm not so anti Panthers like a lot of people are. I really like the way they play. I enjoy the players. There's some that really tick me off, and I think they're very, very arrogant. But I think it's more their fans, like on social media and stuff. Their fans are they're almost like Liverpool fans, aren't they? Mm. Like, oh, we've had it for bad for so many years, but here we are. Here we are, and um, it's a little bit unbearable sometimes. Yeah. So, look, I'll go Raiders. Anyone but the Eels. Anyone but the Eels for <laughs> Sam. Okay. Uh, now uh, we've been having a few issues with our phones, but we have managed to get Mark Watson on WhatsApp. Uh, g'day, Watto. Welcome to the panel. Uh, did I just hear Sam Hewitt bagging Liverpool? Yes, you <laughs> and did. Nothing of the sort, Mark. Nothing of the sort. I was bagging the, the fans. I was bagging the fans, mate. Are you still a, are you still a Boston fan now that they're losing everything? <laughs> Got my Red Sox shirt on today, Mark. Always loyal. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And they they own Liverpool, funny enough. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, oh. anyway. I, you know, there's well, mate, there's so many teams that own Liverpool, Napoli. For, for one, you know, <laughs> oh, but, dear. Uh, but we'll, oh, leave, dear. we'll leave that there. Uh, what are, now, well, uh, mate, I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying to watch Manchester United, mate, but I've just given up my subscription to the History Channel. So I can't <laughs> <laughs> nice call, Watto. Nice call, mate. Oh, Shots fired. Shots fired. Uh, the NRL weekend, mate. The finals weekend. We were just talking about it. What was your standout? Did you uh, did you manage to catch most of it? Yeah, look, I, I, I watched bits and pieces of it over the weekend. Um, I, it was a bit of a weekend of upsets, which is what I love about the NRL, what I love the closeness of this particular competition. Um, yeah, look, I, I would love to, I would sort of love to see a team like the Sharks or something sort of go the whole way, you know, um, just sort of more of those traditional clubs. A little disappointed for the Eels on Friday night. Um, but, yeah, um, Look, but it's always, as we say, it's never one in the months of sort of March, April, May, is it? It's always one in the month of sort of August, September. And yeah, a lot of niggle, a lot of niggle. That seems to be the sort of the more talking points. Jared Wawira Hargraves, uh, a little bit nasty there. And um, yeah, uh, you know. Um, but but that, that's the stakes, isn't it? It's a gladiatorial game, but you know at the same time they're trying to encourage numbers, trying to get people, you know, youngsters to play the game, and more and more people switching off because of the concussion, and because some of the cheap shots that are going in. So look, but I, I think what I like about it, and what and similar to what I, I think we see with the, what I sort of see with the um, uh, with the English Premier League is there are just so many narratives that come out of this, and therefore mm. there is so much to talk about, which gets you looking forward to the game you know the individual battles the coaches uh the fans the rivalry some of the off-field antics and then of course when you get to this time of the year really you are just celebrating the quality of rugby league in the middle of the park hey what what the game yesterday with um when there was seven yellow cards i found myself actually still enjoying the game a lot which is complete opposite of when i watch rugby nowadays what why was it? Why does it feel different when there's a yellow card in rugby league versus a yellow card in rugby? Like in rugby, it seems to ruin a game, but in the NRL, it's almost you know it's almost cheered on. It shows the intensity of the game. What do you think the difference is between the two? 
Yeah, look, I, I think they're two very different games too. I think that rugby that rugby league tends to be a little bit more um, simplistic in terms of its structure and stuff. And so I don't think you get caught out as much in rugby league by being a player down. Where I think in rugby union, um, just with the nature of the forward play, it's not a stop-start um, and the way the game is set up that, you, you you know, it can spoil a game very quickly. But I just think in rugby that the yellow cards and the red cards are often just for stuff that's ridiculous. I don't think there's often any real genuine intent in it. Mm. Where I think in rugby league, to pick up a yellow card, mate, there's genuine intent and there's genuine and hate. And there was yesterday. Um, there was yesterday for sure. Yeah. i tell you yeah. who the luckiest yeah. bloke on the field was, was Matt Lodge when Mark Nichols slipped. Because Mark Nichols slipped and went under Lodge, and Lodge was headhunting, and it was yeah. a swinging headhunting arm, and he actually missed because of Nichols's slip. If that had connected, it was going to be it wasn't going to be a bin; it was going to be a you're off for the game. Yeah, and um, it was um, Tane Milne's one as well, where he literally like he launched upwards into his head, you know. So that it had the guy. You know, just been an inch lower, and he caught him flush. You would have thought a red card, but they were. I mean, that's the thing; they were out to hurt each other yesterday, like no doubt about it. Those teams were out to hurt each other. Yeah, and we can put all the you know all this political correctness and stuff to one side. But look, State of Origin was built on the biff. We all love a little bit of argy bargy. We all love a little bit of a nigger. You've only got to look at the history of television and the great sporting events. They're all boxing. They're all mixed martial arts. Um, you know, you go to a, you go to any rugby game, and as rational as you think you are, and as polite and prim as proper as you think you are, the moment someone starts throwing punches, the entire crowd gets to their feet. Academics, the whole bloody lot. And I said it before, you know, man's defeats are always on the front pages of the newspapers. Man's victories are on the back. We as we like the niggle, we like the negative, we like to see the argy bargy, and it's about trying to find that balance, you know. And I think some sports do themselves a disservice. You've got to understand these guys are fired up, mate. They're gladiators. Mm. This is modern form of sort of controlled warfare, I guess. And for somehow to just expect this to be just sort of cuddles and a lot of love, it's just. It's just ridiculous. And you've only got to look at the, the personality of the players and sometimes just the background some of these players come from. And so, um, yeah, look, I, I'm for it. I, I never want it sort of, you know, maybe to the extent that we saw yesterday. But, yeah, let's have that. You know, that's, I think, part of the problem here in New Zealand. We don't have that tribalism. We don't have that angst. We shut everything down. There's no emotion in the game anymore. And sport is emotional. And I think it's escapism for us. We like to go along to a stadium. We don't want to be involved in the punch-up. But we like to maybe get that little bit of a release in a controlled environment. We you know, let's not kid ourselves. We all like a love, a, a love a good scrap and a good brawl. And yeah, I get a little bit tired of the sort of the whole identity politics and this political environment we live in, where you know we're trying to appease a small margin of people who, let's be honest, aren't watching the damn thing anyway. Ricardo, do you think? Um like I'm a big ice hockey fan. I know Watto is when his Maple Leafs make the first round, and then he's not when they lose in Game Seven inevitably. But um, in ice hockey, you know, they let them fight because mm. it gets rid of the niggle. Like they get it out of their system. Right, you hate each other, you don't like each other, you get a get a little fisticuff out of the way, and away you go. And I felt like league used to be like that when they allowed, you know, a little bit of a brawl. It sort of get get rid of the anger and away you go. See, yesterday what you saw was people that wanted to to scrap but had to do it. You know, within the field of play, which led to big high shots and you know these sort of almost illegal tackles. I just wonder if you know ice hockey does. I know people are very uh, they frown upon it a lot, the fighting in ice hockey, but there is actually reasons why they do it, yeah. and it's to avoid these serious injuries that come from too much niggle. You know, yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, I, I you know, the other thing that came out of this uh, as soon as you made it ten to the bin, if you uh, if you throw a punch, 
then all the shithousery started, all the sniping, yeah. all the people like Dylan Walker, who was yep. it was it was a yep. king of it, and it was just wind up merchants, wind up merchants, because they knew mm. that if you punched them in the face, you were going to the totally, bone. and yep. uh, that, nothing mm. more frustrating as a fan than watching that. Yeah, but I th- look, I think you know we've got it wrong here, isn't it? I mean, look, there's a difference between the cheap shots, you know, the Jared. Well, Ha, ha, sorry, Jared, while we were Hargraves, sort of head slam and stuff, where I think, you know, there is, you start to generally get concerned for the mm. for the opponent, and that stuff just cannot happen, man, particularly with, you know, in and around concussion and some of the studies that are being done now. But I've never really seen anybody get seriously hurt in a major, major punch-up in, in rugby league. And you, you mentioned the ice hockey, or, you know, they just call it hockey over there. And part of the reason they do it is, as Sam touched on, in the European leagues, they don't allow the fighting. But there is a lot more injury. There's a lot more sticks across the face. There's a lot more um, nasty stuff that goes on, a lot more player injury. And what they've actually said in the NRL, uh, sorry, in, in, in the NHL is let's have our enforcers. We will protect our marquee players. And those guys come onto the ice. They will rock your world. And so you don't seem to, you don't get the, you know, the cheap checks across the face with the sticks. And, you know, a lot of that off the, off the puck stuff doesn't go on to the same degree as you see in the European League. So, yes, it might not be, you might not see the niggle and the punch-ups might not be um, as visually obvious, but there's a lot more um, skullduggery actually going on in those leagues outside of the NHL. And I, I think you can actually learn a little bit from the NHL. Yeah, no, fair point. Hey, gentlemen, we should talk a couple other things too. Uh, tell you what, if there was a bit more of a gladi- gladiatorial spirit in the Black Caps team, we might have actually beaten Australia in the Chapel Hadley. <laughs> um, had them down 5 for 44 in the first one, 5 for 54 in the second one. Lost both because we have that inability, Sam, it seems, in Australia to put the foot on the throat. Yeah, I mean, Australia definitely have the, the wood over us. There's no doubt about it. Um, whether it's Test cricket, ODIs, T20s, we just seem to, to bowl it against them. I'm trying to work out, Ricardo, and um, be interested to hear what Wado thinks about this. I'm trying to work out what sort of team the Black Caps are because a lot of people say we choke under pressure. But I think, I almost think we're a tournament team. We're a team mm. that in a tournament environment, we can actually do quite well. We can pick up a couple of cheeky wins and one-off games, you know, semi-finals, finals. You know, we beat India in the World Test Championship in a one-off test. The sort of tournament mentality is, is where I think the Black Caps do well. But outside of that, we're actually just not that good. I mean, people, I think, have unrealistic expectations of Black Caps. Maybe that's fair, maybe it's not fair. But, you know, we beat Sri Lanka, we beat Bangladesh, we beat the West Indies. But we realistically aren't as good as Australia. And people just almost need to accept that. We're just not that good. Yeah, well, no, and the thing no, is I, that Australia aren't as good as Australia used to be. But for some reason, we think they are in our heads, Watto. Yeah, look, I, I, look, we've got to start expecting more from this New Zealand cricket team. Um, because for so long we haven't had a legacy, we haven't had a history. Our expectations have never been particularly great, but we should be having, you know, the discussions over Kane Williamson, over the coaching staff of this Black Caps at the moment, like we've having with the All Blacks. You know, I think I think it's a big sport here. Um, we've proven with a small population that we can be really dominant in other sports. We've had, we've had, you know, we've had a really good test period in recent, you know, up until probably last summer, where I think we have played really well both here and overseas. When it comes to Australia, yeah, we just have a big, big mental block. And it's disappointing because, you know, we've seen it. You know, the issue that's going to face New Zealand cricket is the issue that's sort of being discussed with the likes now of Bolt looking to, you know, finish his career and get out early and start sort of being a bit of a hired gun and making a fortune overseas. And he's entitled to do that. And you're going to see a group of young players thinking, hey, look, I've played 30 or 40 tests for New Zealand now. I've played 100 ODIs. 
not really sure what the mystique is here. I'm not really sure what I'm playing for. Why don't I go and make myself a lot of money? We are really for the focus for New Zealand should be, hey, we want to try and win Test Series in Australia. We want to try and beat the Aussies. We want to try and go to England and win. Now, Australia and England have got the benefit. They've got the ashes. But every time we go to Australia, we fold. And so the Australians just look at us and go, these guys are crap. We're not going to give them regular tests. We're not going to give them regular opportunities. And I think without Australia providing us the regular opportunities, I'm just not sure that a summer of Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Bangladesh, is going to be enough in the long term to keep our players here, but also to keep this New Zealand public on edge. You know, there's got to be jeopardy. There's got to be some meaning to it. T20 offers no meaning. One day cricket's pretty much dead and buried now. And what are we reduced to? Um, Test cricket, really, once every five, six years against the Australians. And, you know, um, yeah, the landscape doesn't look particularly great, but we should be asking more. But Kane Williamson, I mean, you've got to question his captaincy. Oh, I just don't think he's a great captain. Um, I, I just don't think, I think he's there because he's the player and he's got the maturity, but there's nothing innovative about him. He doesn't have the vision of a Brendan McCullum. We're so damn defensive in the way we play it. Um, and I think that just sort of follows through. It's yeah, it's incredibly disappointing. You know, go out there. I hate to say, it, but let's play baseball. Let's at least under McCullum try some stuff. But the question is, if we get rid of Kane Williamson, who's your captain? And there's no one that stands up. Well, that's, I mean, I think the obvious one is Tom Latham, but then I think it's you pretty much like for like. Um, I don't yeah. think there's too much difference between the two in terms of the way they approach the game, Sam. No, and there's, I mean, what is right there, and, and maybe it's a, a personality thing, like we don't really have those personalities that we had six or seven years ago of guys like Baz, you know, like there are, the cricketers are, and, and I applaud them, they're always very open to a chat, they always, you know, come on our shows and, and you know, they front the media, etc. but they're very vanilla, aren't they? Very vanilla, and I wonder if, you know, that also hampers you on the field, you don't have guys that are a bit eccentric and are a bit, you know, will go for things and, and play a little bit differently, because it seems to be what we're, we're just lacking spark, aren't we? Well, Especially with the bat. What just, you said there, Vanilla, is that you have to fit into a certain um, sort of type of, of, mm. of pattern to be in the black caps long term. That's why yes. we've seen people like Jimmy Neesham not get his contract. Yep. Colin and Rose no longer there. You totally. Know, you, you, can, you can name a lot of those kind of players and maybe we are missing them now. Gentlemen, hey, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for being on the panel today. Uh, we left a couple of topics on the line, but I think we got some good chatting, so appreciate your time. Go well. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Wado. Cheers, bro. Cheers, cheers, Wado. It is uh, 24 past 10 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Twenty-seven away from eleven here on mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for him as Smithy is winging his way back from Australia after calling the Chapel Hadley series. Uh, this morning we had the last round of the Indy Car series. Need a lot to go right for Scott Dixon or Scott McLaughlin to uh, claim the overall championship. None of those things happened. Will Power finished third in the race, won the championship by 16 points over Joseph Newgarden. Scott Dixon was a further 23 points back, and Scott McLaughlin another 11 points back from uh, Scott Dixon. So wasn't to be, though. Two Kiwis in the top five. To talk more about that is Dave Turner with us. G'day, Dave. How are you doing? 
I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Uh, that course at Monterey, the track at Monterey, uh, it's a challenging course, isn't it? And it, it certainly doesn't get any easier when you have cars go off and bring sand onto the track with uh, back onto the track with them. It certainly uh, causes a bit of havoc out there today. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting track. I've been there a couple of times. The elevation climb up to the the famous corkscrew is a lot steeper than what television portrays it. Um, and the dust and stuff from you know the outside edges of the circuit is significant at that track. But um, you know, resurfacing it maybe in the off season will will change some of those things because the wear rate on the asphalt is is very high. But you're still going to always have that dust and stuff off the edges of the track. So it's always going to be a challenging place. But that's great. That's what it's all about. Yeah, you do want the challenge. Um, how at the, at the start of the race after qualifying and everything, where were you on how things might go for Scott Dixon and Scott McLaughlin? Um, in terms of we'll deal with McLaughlin first, I thought it, it was very long odds in many ways. It was the mathematical odds, and that's not saying anything negative against Scott McLaughlin because I've got a lot of time for the guy and I've known him for a long time, but. His, his task was that much harder, that's for sure. Dixon, um, yeah, he had a chance. He definitely had a chance. Uh, I just wasn't overly wrapped with the fact that he had qualified midfield because I was worried about the, the opening couple of laps of the race and getting involved in, in traffic and stuff. And, you know, it's been a theme with the, the Ganassi car, particularly his one this year, is the more average performances in qualifying which has meant the race has become that much harder work. And we saw a great example of that probably today. He's lucked a few, but sometimes it hasn't worked out his way. Yeah, he did get caught in traffic a lot today, didn't he? I mean, he, he, and he just kept getting further and further away from the lead. I, uh, I'm not sure where he finished in the end, but last I looked, you know, he was sitting in about 11th and, uh, yeah, just too much traffic in front of him and about 50 seconds behind the lead car. Yeah, he, fin- he ended up finishing 12th. The, the the thing is, it's it, it, you know again, it shows you how tight the series is. You know, when, when we say that he qualified, you know, midfield, it's still you know only thousands of seconds. We're not talking you know minutes behind or some stupid number like that. So um, it's just a very competitive series. You had 27 cars there today. Um, the car count's very healthy, and it's the nature of the beast. And I you know I I feel that the driver that wins a championship in this series, and Scott's won six of them is um, a superb all-round driver because of the types of tracks that they drive on. And you and me have talked about that before. But, um, you know, for Will Power this year, what he did is he played the consistency game. He only won one race, whereas Newgarden won multiple races this year. But Will was consistent across the entire season. And that's a, that's a very big thing as well. What about... Um some of the other drivers we saw there, I mean, Joseph Newgarden was there or thereabouts. He probably had the best crack at at, at, at beating Will Power to the championship title. But, you know, there was a couple of times uh, mid, midway through the race where uh, out of nowhere he seemed to have found some speed and found some form was uh, Romain Grosjean was was getting in and amongst and, 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 and causing problems for some of those uh, front runners. Yeah, well, I think Andretti Autosport as a team um, had good good cars there. You know, Colton Hurd has won there the last two times in an Andretti Autosport car. They clean sweeps the Indy Lights field uh, two days in a row, uh, all three Andretti entries on the podium for two days. Uh, so fantastic. But, so they, they know their way around Laguna, and I think that's probably Grosjean was showing that. I think that it's a team that will probably do a bit of soul-searching during the off-season as to how that shapes up for next year with the departure of Rossi and... Uh, Kyle Kirkwood coming into the team and, and just things like that that probably need a little bit of homework on them but 
you know, overall, I think Andretti have the measure of that place. And that's just the way it goes. It's a bit like, say, Ed Carpenter when it comes to qualifying at the Indy 500. You always know that Ed's going to come up with something because it just seems to all click there. And I think that's probably what we were seeing out of Grosjean today as well, is that the team you know, have a really good handle on that track. Mm. Yeah, so Will Power takes it out. Uh, Scott McLaughlin finishes fifth in his second season. He just seems to be getting better and better. Do you think he's got what it takes to maybe next season, you know, sort of instead of finishing fifth, be challenging for the title, um, you know, more realistically? Oh, for sure. For sure. Because the the reason I say that is, for a start, we're even having the conversation. Um, that, that, that in itself says something. You know, the fact that he had multiple wins this year. He took out pole positions, and he ended up going into the season ender actually in the championship hunt. So, uh, without an absolute doubt, he, he'll be a contender next year. Penske obviously are. You know, there's nothing that says they aren't. Their weakness this year for Penske, for all three drivers, was the Indy 500. They struggled in qualifying. Um, McLaughlin's team made a bit of an error by pushing them back out on that qualifying day to have another go and the temperatures had changed that day, the wind had changed and he ended up going slower and that put them back further in the field and I think they, you know, as a team they mucked that one up but they did it across all three cars so um, the rest of the season for McLaughlin, yeah, a huge amount of ticks he's, he's mastered those um, short ovals very, very well street courses he's got down pat and he's, he's very comfortable in himself and I think that that's a big attribute going forward you know so he's going to be around for a long time and he's definitely going to be a championship contender there's absolutely no doubt about that yeah, there's a great uh, uh, you know sort of group of young drivers coming through Colton Herder, Pat Ward, of course Marcus Ericsson making his uh, himself felt there, Alex Palau as well and of course Scotty McLaughlin so the, the next uh, lot of drivers coming through are very, very strong. We're going to see some of them, uh, you know, they're, I mean, they're all of the top 10 this year. How much longer do you yeah. think Scott Dixon's got at this level? Um, I, I think probably at, at least another couple of years before we start having serious conversations about that because um, I think there's, there's more to this guy. You know, again, I, I've done some stats on, on Dixon. This is the 16th time in the last 17 years that Dixon has finished within the top four at the end of the season. Now, there's no other driver that can claim that. Absolutely no other driver. And this year, he finished every single lap of every race within the season. Um, again, you know, that's a great testament, not only to the team around him, but the driver and himself. And he also, again, this season, out of all his championship years and all his years in IndyCar, took away at least one race win within a season. So the Dixon machine has still got plenty left in it, that's that's for sure. You know, look at Indy this year, the fastest four-lap qualifying ever in the history of the 500 as a four-lap average, but, you know, then that mistake during the race. But there's it's just so many things that make Dixon still a, a very strong legend of the sport and I think New Zealand at times doesn't necessarily recognise that because we get fixated by maybe the aspect of Formula One. But, you know, what Dixon and McLaughlin are doing right now is more than equal to that, absolutely more than equal to it. Um, and they can hold their heads high. And we've got another layer of drivers behind that. You know, Hunter McElroy finished fourth in the Indy Lights Championship this morning, took out Rookie of the Year honours. Or he has a contract with Andretti Autosport to come back to Indy Lights next year. So there's another driver that maybe in two years' time you and me will be having the conversation about where he finished in the Indy 500 or something. Mm. And then you've got two 
in in USF 2000. So there's, there's some great depth there, and that doesn't apply just to New Zealand. But you know, obviously, we're very pro the Kiwi drivers, and there's a heap of them there. Yeah, there are a heap of them there coming through, um, and uh, yeah, good to see Hunter McElroy going well in the Indy Lights. Uh, Dave, we should get a comment on you. I know you were there this weekend, Pukekohe. Uh, how was it the final weekend, and how appropriate we saw a Kiwi in the Giz who who learned the trade there, standing on the podium on the last day uh, of supercars at Pukekohe? Well, I think you know it's the end of an era. You know, we've had a couple of ends of eras at, at Pukekohe because I remember in 2007 I produced the last supercar event there and it was titled the end of an era uh, because it went to the Hamilton street race after that and then of course it's come back to Pukekohe but this time the doors really close on Pukekohe and I think that that's a very sad thing great for the crowd yesterday awesome performance Andre Heimgartner I thought fantastic performance of the weekend not putting the giz down at all but Heimgartner after that accident that he had recently just just absolutely phenomenal and I talked to McLaughlin and Dixon yesterday actually about their memories of um, Pukekohe and McLaughlin uh, his first ever supercar win came at Pukekohe. And for Dixon, apart from the very well-documented cushion thing that he had in the, in the Nissan Sentra, he said to me that uh, one of the, his funniest memories of Pukekohe was when he was actually learning to get his racing licence and everything. And he had an instructor in the car, and they were going through Turn 1 at Pukekohe, and there was uh, uh, some ducks walking across the track, and he nearly rolled the car with the instructor. So he always remembered that as a bit of a funny moment that he was trying to get a licence and nearly flipped the car with an instructor in it. <laughs> that is fantastic news, Dave. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on, mate, and keeping us up to date with all the latest in, in the Indy cars as well and those memories from Pookie as well. Go well. Yeah, thanks very much, Ricardo, for having us on. I think there's a lot to come in the off-season with driver movements, so there's some so- exciting times ahead. And, you know, the Kiwis are very, very much amongst uh, IndyCar. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah, we'll uh, talk to you more about that uh, as the, uh, the those stories start to progress. It is 17 away from 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, welcome back into Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. It's 12 away from 11. And, uh, man, it's a ding-dong battle in the men's US Open final. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz versus Casper Ruud. Alcaraz took the first set 6-4. Ruud the second set 6-2. And it is currently juice in the 12th game of the third set. Advantage now, Alcaraz at 6-5. It is a tight, tight final. This one, keep you up to date with it throughout the show. Chances are it's going to go into staff's show as well. After midday, these two guys battling it out hard. Keep your text coming through, double eight double three. Double eight double three is the temper bedpost text machine. And we have had uh, text through and there was something actually that came up in the panel which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, Sam and Watto were with us talking about how uh, you know the biff in rugby league uh, has been taken out uh, with the sin binnings for, for punching automatically now and yesterday we saw more uh, head high shots because players couldn't fight. Put There was no biff, uh, so it ends up that that frustration gets taken out in tackles within the game, and then you have the uh, the head injuries and and concussions and things like that. And uh, I know what I was talking about, you know, saying 
when that happens, or when you, when you go to a game and there's there's a fight or there's some aggro that everybody gets up for it, and everybody, no matter what they say, uh, regardless of how PC you are, enjoys it. And uh, I think he's right. Um, we did have a message come through from Simon who said there were three diagnosed concussions in last night's game. Every concussion is a brain injury. Nothing PC when you see former players crying in their fifties because they're a burden to their wife and kids. Thanks for your text, Simon. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I know what you're saying, and I don't think I, I don't think that's what Watto was saying. I think what Watto was saying is, um, you know, all of that could be avoided if, much like ice hockey, as Sam pointed out, you just let them have a biff and then dealt with it, and then gets it out of their system. But uh, yeah, I don't think that is going to happen anytime soon. When we come back here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith, Paul Mawadi from the TAB is going to join us. 11 o'clock and uh, and that Rude Alcaraz game is uh, in a third set tie break tied up at one all at the moment and one set apiece as well. Uh, joining us to talk about that and other things from the TAB is the one, the only, the legendary Paul Mawati. G'day Paulie, how are you? Very good, thank you Ricardo. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks mate. Good. Uh, I'd imagine uh, this uh, US Tennis Open final is uh, keeping your boys on their toes this morning. It's as you mentioned, they're into a, a tie break in the third set with the uh, Rude and Alcaraz split in the first two sets. Um, so currently, Alcaraz is a dollar forty-seven to win the U.S. Open men's t- uh, singles title. Casper uh, Rude three oh, Casper Rude just drifted out to three dollars. Alcaraz now a dollar thirty-three. So I'm guessing that he may have uh, picked up another point in this tiebreaker. Uh, Alcaraz. Yeah, it's 2-1 at the moment, Paulie. Um, and then Rude's just hit another one just about out of the stadium, so 3-1 currently. Alcaraz on that. If Alcaraz wins this, he goes to number one in the world, mate, which would suggest uh, the reign of the big three is over. Well, um, I, I guess with none of the big three uh, making it through to the... I don't think we the big three made... Did they make it through to the quarterfinals, I think? Um, I I don't think anyone I think Rafa went out in the fourth round So Yeah, and then um, Djokovic and Federer didn't front No, so Yeah, I think you're right We're seeing a changing of the guard here And um, tennis is still looking bright I mean, we we have had that golden age As you say, with the big three uh, And I'm sure Djokovic Has still got a, a few years in him But yeah, we're seeing a wee bit of a change of the guard here And Whoever does come out on top, Alcaraz or Rude, um, they certainly look like they've got big, big futures ahead of them. Yeah, massive, mate, massive. Uh, what about the uh, NFL? It's a, you know, the first weekend proper of the NFL. Lots of games this morning, uh, some of those still going. Uh, how's that been for you guys? Been a couple of upsets. The Niners getting tipped up by the Bears, and uh, well, I don't know if it's an upset anymore, but the Pats are getting pantsed by the Dolphins. Well, certainly the Niners getting upset by the Bears. Um, didn't get picked by a number of punters, and I'm actually in a Survivor League, and uh, three guys are already out round week one of the NFL. So uh, we've got a big game later on this afternoon, though. The Dallas Cowboys hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Cowboys, $2.10 at the moment. The Bucks $1.74. They're two-and-a-half-point favourites, uh, the Bucks. And the line, which was 50.5 earlier this morning, has now dropped down to 49.5 on the game total. We've got a bonus back uh, promotion on that uh, NFL match as well. Uh, just place a pre-match winning team in margin bet uh, on the Cowboys-Bucks game today. Uh, and if your team wins but you've selected the incorrect margin, we'll refund your bet 
up to $50 as a bonus bet. Uh, check out all the T's and C's at the Punters Lounge. And I can tell you the most popular selection in that winning team and margin market is the Tampa Bay Bucks to win by 1 to 13 points at $2.64. I quite like the cows in this, mate. Last time these two met, I think they shared 60 points and it was a two-point win to the Bucks. But uh, the, there's no Gronk yep. now. There's no Antonio Brown. And, you know, Brady's missed a lot of preseason. So I, I, I quite like the Cowboys. Yeah, and I, I notice it's in uh, Smitty's multi today as well, the, the Cowboys to uh, uh, upset the Bucks. Um, but, yeah, as you say, this game was, what, was it 31-29 last season uh, to Tampa Bay? And Tom Brady doesn't have sort of weapons that he used to have, but... He just doesn't get old. He just keeps he just keeps rolling on. Um, what would your Oakland Raiders do with a Tom Brady? Well, that's a good question, mate. Hopefully we don't need him. Four minutes to go in our game. We're down 24-19 against the Chargers. Paulie, good stuff, mate. Go well, and we'll catch up with you again tomorrow. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. with the ball. Always slammed into the ground there over the top. He's heading to the ground. Yeah, yeah, the opportunity right. to reduce any force there and you have it. Yeah. You're yeah. Get another one. They're going to say this went forward or lost in the tackle. It's oh. another runner. What got Bradley going? Victor's run in. And now they go again. Yeah, we have massive control issues. We're going to go to the bin now. Watson oh. clobbered by Bild as he got him high. He's gone he might Again here, Evan Radley will have a double seat like gold class. Side by side, little recliner in the sin bin if he got him on. It's one on one, careless. You have the opportunity to hit anywhere and you make contact with the head. We got seven, seven in the bin. Milne's gone twice. Forgive me, Father Vossi, for I have sinned. I enjoyed that far too much last night. As, uh, as, as I'm, I'm picking you, did uh, I'm in the confessional, mate. Um, how was it for you in the booth? Uh, I've been calling the game a long time, been watching the game a long time. And, I mean, I go back to the era, you know, when we had five and ten minutes in, been in, in a totally different game, but I've never seen the likes of it. Um, so much sporting theatre there, so much drama Ah, boy, oh boy. And yeah, I did joke in commentary. I said they'd set up a little confessional box out the front of uh, Valley Hunt Stadium yesterday. And, 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 you know, Victor would have to go through twice. Tane Milne would have to go through twice. But to have seven players off in the course of the match, um, I don't know whether we'll ever see the likes of it again. I certainly had never seen the likes of it. It was just the most extraordinary match. And the fact that it's between the two clubs the Roosters and the Rabbitohs, the oldest rivalry in rugby league. Um, you know, it's it's quite incredible that that was tribalism personified and what happened out on the field. Trent Robinson said <laughs> the two teams chose to play that way. It was quite a enlightening press conference by Trent Robinson. But, um, 
Wow, what what a start to the final series. Yeah, massive start to the final series, mate. It was uh, a, a fantastic way to wrap the weekend yesterday. And, you know, there's a, uh, there's there's there been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, bringing back the Biff or, or, or not. We talked about it earlier today and just saying, you know, in ice hockey, they let them fight until they hit the ice. And then it stops a lot of the yeah. niggly stuff and it stops a lot of the cheap shots and stuff. What Do you, do you, do you think there's yeah. any chance they go back in, 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 in oh. the NRL at any point? Well, I don't, but there is something that I was calling for this morning, and uh, you know, it's as you watch play unfold yesterday, I, I thought I, I thought there was overreaction to a few things. First of all, I don't think Victor Radley in the very first instance, the first one with Tane, Tane Milne, and I know I saw it live, and I thought, oh, he's, it looked like a punch, but then on review, I thought, nah, there's nothing in that, and I think that's the role of the bunker to not make a hasty decision, to really have a think about it. He's the one looking at the replays. I'm sure if he watched it a second or third time, he did. Yeah, look, he did that, but it's not that bad. It doesn't warrant 10 minutes off. But then later in the game, and you heard Ashley Klein there say, now, he said that he got rid of Totola and Radley because, you know, it's escalated. The game's got out of hand. But when you break it down, what Tavita Totola did, with a hand on the face, went less than a second. I might see that 50 times a game. It really was nothing. And he got 10 minutes in. And Victor Radley running in, don't you think we need to update our read on that? You know, the old-fashioned, well, you run in and look what started. Well, I throw back the question, what started? Nothing started. There are no all-in punches. <laughs> the old days when a player run in, that sparked a brawl and punches and fighting. That's 10 years ago. You can't keep issuing that caution. You ran in and that escalated. Escalated to what? Escalated to players pulling each other's jersey? You know, Radley went to the bin. 10 players ran in. You know, not all at the same speed as Victor. But, you know, I, the other week, what was it, um, last week, you know, all of, uh, in the Newcastle game, 25 players ran in to be involved in a melee where you're just pushing and dragging jerseys and Tex Hoy stayed out and Tex Hoy scored a try in the next play. I'm saying the league need to have a real good think about that, that if you're going to send players that have been 10 minutes running in, what, you really going to do that? Are you really going to keep doing that? Because nothing happens when they do run in. It's not a. It's not an ugly look. It's not. It's if anything, it's a little embarrassing. Nothing happens. I couldn't agree with you more, Vossi. Couldn't agree with you more. What do you, What do you think will happen? Uh, there's so many players put on report. Well, yeah. Do you reckon the rabbits will be missing a few, or Valandis pull the? It's well, not what the fans want to see, and they can all set it out next season. Well, you know what I. <laughs> yes. You know what I think. I think the most contentious one is Thomas Burgess, the hit on James Tedesco. Mm. Now that's one that didn't lead to a sin. Not not in the first instance. Thomas Burgess does not get Sinbin for the hit on James Tedesco that took him out of the match. Yet I've got a feeling that might be the biggest charge out of yesterday's game. What does that say about how we're ruling on things? I think Tane Mill will get – I think he gets charged for both his, but I'm, I'm not sure how that would work. Is it fine plus fine equals suspension, or is it just fine plus fine equals double fine? I'm not sure. I don't think Radley's got anything to worry about. I, I wouldn't have thought. Um, Jared Waria Hargreaves, the, the – what – was the, the head slam. That's probably going to get a charge. Jared's had 75 fines this season. He might as well have a 76 <laughs> um, to finish the year. Uh, I, uh, but mind you, on a serious note, uh, for players whose season ended yesterday, their next football is the World Cup. Now, in the case of Victor Radley, he's pledged his allegiance to England. Um, I'd be picking Jared for New Zealand. Absolutely. Oh, I don't care about the birth certificate. I'm picking Jared to go on the World Cup tour. So I, I assume that they have to serve, if they got a suspension, that would have to be the World Cup, which would be very disappointing. 
can they play, say, well, Peter Volante said Taylor May can serve next year. The fans want me. Like, Taylor May's allowed to play at the World Cup. Um, can the players make a make an application to be able to play at the World Cup and then serve their bands next year. I wonder if that will come into play. Mm, that'll be an interesting one. I'll tell you who I reckon the luckiest, luckiest bloke in that game was last night. And if you could be done at the judiciary for intent, he would be. And that was Matt Lodge. Boy, if Mark Nichols didn't yep. slip and fall, yes. Lodge was clean yes. taking his head off his shoulders with that shot. That is correct. Yes, that's right. And I... And I, I thought of that at the time. I, I think I did say it in commentary. There was so much happening. But we were saying, oh, there's, there's circumstances here. Mark Nichols has slipped. But the fact is that Mark Nichols slipped to his advantage because he went under the swinging arm of Matt Lodge. If he stays a little more upright, he cops it right on the button. And that would have been a very interesting moment in all of that. Um, so th- there was just so many incidents um, yesterday. Look, I'll throw you one out of left field. Latrell Mitchell kicking downfield like an old-fashioned kicking jewel or trying to start a kicking jewel. What the hell was that about? (laughs) (laughs) He just handed the ball back to the Roosters. What year is Latrell Mitchell living in? The Roosters got the ball back 40 out from their own line, and by tackle four, they were 10 out from the south line. That was extraordinary. Um, So that was just a game. See, I call so many matches in the course of a year, i got to say, Ricardo, that that, that by the end of the season, I can't remember what I called a week ago. Like, you know, (laughs) you'd have to... I'd have to look up the, what was the score. I did. Oh, that's right. I did that game. Yesterday's game, I will remember for the rest of my life. That's how dramatic it was. Yeah, it was. It was a, uh, incredibly dramatic. Uh, and I know it was a tough weekend for you too, Vossi. You lost the title <laughs> on Friday of the Eel Whisperer. Yeah. Uh, how much of that had to do with Mitch Moses getting uh, binned out of the game early with that head knock? The juju is dead. Long live the juju is what they're saying over here. Um, so that that's broken. Uh, the Moses um, H- failed HIA obviously had an impact. Jacob Arthur came on and, and, and melted, to be honest. You know, he mm. put a ball out on the fall and a drop ball. It was it was a frustrating moment, you know, in, in, in the moment for the, for the young fella. I thought Penrith thoroughly deserved their win. Um, and I, I look back to a period in the first half when Talon May actually went to the sin bin. I thought that was real championship qualities from Penrith. They were down to 12. Not only did they not concede, um, they scored a converted try while they were down to 12. And I thought that was very impressive because Parramatta had chances on the line and that was when Moses was on the field. So that was really good from Penrith. And I thought just at the end, though, Parramatta desperately needed Mitchell Moses because when Penrith went up a gear... Sadly, Parramatta didn't get there, and, and I was a bit let down by Clint Gutherson and Dylan Brown. I don't think they brought their regular season end-of-year form to the final series. And once Moses went off, if those other two aren't doing their thing and stepping up, well, then Parramatta didn't have that attacking linchpin that they needed to go with the likes of Nathan Cleary, who starred for Penrith. So um, I'd like to think Parramatta are still a chance, and they are, but boy, oh boy, they need Mitchell Moses to be fit now for Friday night against the Raiders. Yep, they do. They do. If we if we can't, Vossi, if we can't believe in the Eel Whisperer any, anymore, can we at least mm. believe in karma, given that Taylor May not only copped a yellow, but then pulled a hammy and made, made the grand final? Amazing. Absolutely amazing, the Taylor May situation. Um, look, look, as we joked, you know, could, he, could he have served the sin bin in round three? Could he have 10 minutes off in a round three game next year rather than on the night? All, all of those things with Taylor May. Um, was was quite incredible. Uh, I, I think 
I think what I learnt from most from the weekend, and we're just focusing on Penrith and Parramatta right now. Parramatta, Penrith is still the team to beat. Would, would you agree with that? I mean, mm. if Penrith play at their best, even though I saw the Cowboys, that was great. The game against Cronulla, the Raiders were really good in beating Melbourne, South Sydney. You know, that was drama charged. But I still think we're probably avoiding the biggest point out of the weekend. If Par- if Penrith play at their best, they win the competition. They're like, they're going to have to do something wrong to lose the title. They're, they're, they're just they're still above all these other sides for mine. Tell you who I, I was really impressed with on the weekend. I, I did pick it. I did pick it um, because of just their head-to-head form. But, but Ricky Stewart seems to have it over Craig Bellamy, doesn't mm. he? And their fifth, fifth win yeah. in a row in Melbourne for the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you who's terrific. Um, Joseph Tarpany and Josh Papalihi, just fantastic. You talk about old school, you know, front rowers lay the foundation. Well, it so rings true with Canberra. I mean, they were, they were great. They're, they're great in the first minute, and they're great in the last minute. Mm. Um, if Payne Haas, if he thinks he's worth a, a million dollars, and good luck to him if he gets it, I'll say Joseph Tarpany's worth 1.5. He's as good as any front row in the game at the moment. Joseph Tarpany's one of the reasons why I've got New Zealand just about favourites for the World Cup. I mean, he's in, he's in sensational form. He's a leader. He's got footwork. He offloads. He plays quality minutes. Um, just going superb. And Josh Papalihi, he's at the peak of his powers as well. The bigger the game, the bigger he goes. So Canberra's in with a great shot. It's incredible to think that one out of Cowboys, Canberra, or Parramatta is going to play in the grand final, Ricardo. One of those sides. If you were to, <coughs> pardon me, if you had asked me two weeks ago, who's the biggest chance of winning a comp? Well, I still had Penrith favourites. I probably then had Melbourne and the Roosters as my next picks. <laughs> They're the first two sides out. So now you're going to get a, a grand finalist out of the Cowboys, the Eels, or the Raiders. Talk about having to seize the moment. What an opportunity. Yeah, and a bit of a changing of the guard, it feels like. And I, I look at that Melbourne team uh, this year and the fact that they're going to have to run around next year without the Bromwich brothers, without the Cheese, without Kalfusi uh, uh, as well. I mean, are we talking about a top eight next year without the Storm, do you think? That's a lot of forward power to replace. Yes, agreed. Um, They'd love to know if they can get a full season out of Ryan Pappenhausen fit because Mm. they still have what I see as a big four. They still, if they're fit, they have Pappenhausen. They will have Munster for next year at least. Jerome Hughes, Harry Grant. That's 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 your spine, and that's as good as any in the comp. So that's going to give them a chance. But yeah, they do have to support it. They've signed Katara, of course, from the Warriors. Tarek Sims headed down to the club. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna need to put something together. I don't know whether they're they're still in the market for some forwards, but you'd like to think they need to sign some. There's no question they they can't get better. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry, they they will not get better. They can't get better than what they've done through this great era. But will it still be enough to get them in top four contention? I'm not about to write them out of top four contention, but Penrith Penrith's. Uh, future looks secured for the next few seasons, whereas Melbourne's looks a little more in doubt in terms of being a heavyweight in the competition. Now, I, I still have Melbourne in my eight next year, but I am concerned if I'm a Melbourne fan about, you know, where's the where's the big name forwards coming from? Yeah, indeed, mate, indeed. Well, and that leaves us one game to talk about, and it's the game that I mentioned to you last week seems to have flown under the radar, two teams, and the Sharks and the Cowboys. And, boy, they, oh. they put an absolute arm wrestle on for us as well, didn't they? 
Well, I think for quality, it may have been the best game of the weekend. And, and I, I didn't expect the number of points. I mean, I, you know, I've been talking up the Cowboys all year about their defence being real. It confirmed for me again a point about them that I've been making this year. There may be teams as fit, but there's no fitter team than the Cowboys. And that has been, that's been the case all year. They, they finish strongly. Um, uh, just Todd Payton's done such an outstanding job and Dean Young and co with this team. A team that, you know, put your hand up. Did you have the Cowboys in your eight this year? No, my hand's staying down. Very few people would have. Um, and, and genuinely finished off that game. Jason Taumalolo, best game of the season. Just enormous, his contribution there. Um, and uh, and the Valentine Holmes field goal. At the time, look, it didn't even occur to me. It was a two-pointer. That's a magnificent strike in, in Golden Point from 45 metres out. Cowboys, massive hope. Now playing in Townsville in a grand final qualifier in two weeks' time. So they get two weeks just cooling their jets, just preparing for the game. Let me tell you, I'll tell our listeners right now, it's about 27, 28 degrees every day up in Townsville at the moment. You know, that's that's going to be a shock to the system to whoever has to play them. Um, you know, imagine uh, Canberra going up there in two weeks' time or, or Parramatta. Um, Cowboys, great hope of playing in the grand final. Massive hope, mate. A massive hope at home. That home advantage is, is, is going to be absolutely huge for them. All right, uh, Bossy, I ask you, who's going to win this weekend? Get your crystal ball out. Yeah, don't know. Don't know. Um, it, it, yeah, for, for Parramatta, if Moses doesn't play, I can't tip them. Can't, I cannot tip Parramatta uh, without Mitchell Moses. Um, but if he plays, I'll, I'll probably I'll stay with the Eels, but a thriller. Uh, and then for Souths and Cronulla, whew, uh, I'll have to wait and see the charge sheet, but I'll go South City. But Tom Burgess, if he's suspended, that's, that'll be a big loss for the Rabbitohs. Enormous loss. Burgess um, in sort of career-best form for, for for his front row play. So I'll go Rabbitohs, Eels, double, and there's zero confidence in that uh, coming to fruition. How's that sound? That sounds good. That sounds good. Thank, thank you for taking my <laughs> confession after Sinbin's yeah. Sunday. Uh, Father Vossi, I appreciate it. Thank you, my son. Uh, yes, all is you, you are forgiven. Um, yeah, whatever you've got to do, just just play on and be kind to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me. Go, go well, Vossi. Bye now. Cheers. Andrew Voss there with us. It is uh, 20 past 11 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. A couple of uh, texts coming through asking for the morning multi. If you go to uh, Twitter and have a look there, or if you go to the SENZ page and the, check out the podcast, it'll all be loaded up there for you to check out. When we come back, we're going to talk Chatham Cup, we're going to talk Kate Shepherd Cup, and we're going to get ready to pay play for a $100 TAB bonus bet with Stunt. A couple of months ago, I believe, uh, coming up to Stumped, we need callers, right? Yeah. So what we did instead, uh, if you're listening in now, text Stumped plus your name, where you're from in New Zealand, or even if you want to play from Australia, I don't mind. Um, so can you do that? Probably with TAB, I'm not sure. Let's, let's stick to New Zealand account. here. Let's stick yeah. to the rules here. So text Stumped, your name, where you're from, double eight, double three, right now. We all pick two people at random, and we have Kezi jumping in, and we also have Jake, who, uh, a bit of a redemption arc, he failed miserably the last time. Yeah, and I, I'll give you a heads up here. Uh, both these guys combined age is still about 10 years short of me, um, so <laughs> I, I, I have the wisdom. I have the wisdom. That's what I'm going to say. 
We'll see, we'll see. But before we get to that, of course, you had a very busy day yesterday out at North Harbour Stadium with uh, a couple of really big finals. Yeah, it's the Kate Shepherd Cup final, which is, uh, you know, like the, 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 the Women's FA Cup, basically, and the Chatham Cup final, which is like our FA Cup. So uh, Northern Rovers, which is Forest Hill Milford combined with Glenfield Rovers. They were in the final against Auckland United, which is another amalgamation, only hung a sports and uh, three Kings. And, uh, yeah, Auckland United under former Kings player Mauro Donoso took that out 1-0. So it was, a, it was a good game. It was a really good game, uh, the women's final. The men's game, first half didn't quite live up to it. Mm. But uh, Auckland City were just too good in the Eastern Suburbs. They won 1-0 as well and pretty much cruised the second half after a brilliant goal from Dylan Manikin. The best thing that happened all, all weekend down at North Harbour Stadium was Manikin cutting in from the left onto the right foot, sort of a, a mirror image of uh, Arjen Robin, if you like, and putting one in the top far corner. So, yeah, superb from Dylan Manikin and well-deserved for Auckland City. As a man who lives and breathes in football, uh, you know, we see the women's Phoenix there doing great things coming back in the second season. We've got the Women's Football World Cup coming up as well. You watching that Kate Shepherd final there, how mm. you reckon in that sort of level of women's football in New Zealand, where are we looking at right now? Yeah, pretty good, man, pretty good. There was a couple of uh, very good players. Ruby Nathan, uh, I thought, stood out. So did Millie Clegg. They were both playing for Auckland United. Um, so I thought, yeah, they both went really, really, really well. Katie Duncan was also in that team, who's, you know, uh, a pretty experienced mm. former Fern as well. Um, she ended up winning the Maya Jackman Trophy for Player of the Day. So, yeah, I mean, there's some talent there that I, I reckon the Phoenix could do worse than picking up. And, of course, if you missed it just before, uh, we're going to do Stumped a little bit differently here on SCNZ Mornings today. Text double eight double three. Text stumped your name, where you're from. We're going to pick two people at random to play, and we have Kizzy and Jake to play for you. Stumped, we've got the categories. There's also a $100 TAB bonus bet up for grabs here. It's a big one, all on the line after your stumping on Friday. Yeah, exactly. So all the, there's a bunch of texts coming through now, so get those through, uh, and we'll choose a couple shortly. Uh, we did get this text earlier, actually, uh, from when we were talking about the rugby league. Uh, hey, mate, in the old days when a player was a pest, did something dirty, was just an absolute helmet, you got a whack in the chops by a big prop, and that was the end of it. Nowadays, there's no consequences, so they keep doing it, and it just rocks everything up, and the ref loses control like they did last night. Yeah, that's bang on, bang on. So that is our argument that uh, we had with... Sam Hewitt and Watto about bringing back the Biff to rugby league like it is in ice hockey. Mm. If you can just punch the pest in the face once, he stops doing it, and then all the aggro goes. Yeah, and I love how Vossi said that. That game, he will remember for the rest of his life because just, I mean, of how insane it was. I tuned in right as uh, Jared Warrior. Hargraves was getting his marching orders, and I thought, oh, here we go. And I think at that point, there'd already been five. Yeah, <laughs> seven sin binnings in last night's game. Uh, absolutely superb game of rugby league. It had everything. Drum was like an origin game. We had that sort of intensity. It is half past 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Keep your texts coming through. Tell us your name and where you're from if you want to play Stumped 8833, having issues with the phone. So we've got a couple of proxies in here who We'll play for you. $100 TAB voucher could be yours. 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, we're doing things a little bit differently here with Stumped on SNZ Mornings featuring Ricardo Ball. Now, Ricardo, you weren't here the last time we did this. We had Smithy in the hot seat with his gloves. Uh, bit of a shootout, a bit different. We, we've picked two people at random. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Kez and Jake in the studio. They're ready to go there on, on the line, on their mics. 
they're gonna, they're, I'm going to say the question. I'll pose the question. Jake or Kieran, you have to say your name. That is your buzzer. Oh, oh I see. Oh, I see. Oh, oh, oh. I remember okay. this from last time. Yeah. And uh, if you get it wrong, then again, it's over to Ricardo. Okay. Okay. All right. I see. I see where we go. Okay. So $100 TAB bonus bet is up for grabs here. The categories to choose from, uh, Ricardo, I'm going to let you pick Okay. this time. Again, right. doing things a bit differently. Football, mm-hmm. as in soccer football. Yeah. NFL, as in American football. Yeah. Or rugby league. Oh, tempting, tempting. I'm looking at Jake and Kez both asking me to pick soccer football. Uh, so I'm going to go soccer football, mate. Let's oh, make it a challenge. Thank you, oh, thank I you. Th- even throw them under the bus. But all right, here we go. Good luck to you all. Not sure. <laughs> Do we know who's playing for who? Do we? Have we yes. Okay. So we have Kurt from Palmy. Jake is your man. Yeah. yeah. Kyle from Whitehall. Kizzy is your man. Let's go, Kyle. Here we go. All right. First question. Who is the coach of the Football Ferns? See you. Some brains really, really tuning into overdrive. I can, see her, face. Face. I can yeah. see her face. I know. I know the answer to this. I don't know how to pronounce it. Well, mm. my, you know, just I mean, you, I'll take a wrong pronunciation over no name at all. Jake, you got this one. I don't know the name, mate. <laughs> you go for it. You go for it. I'm backing you. Come on, Kizzy. Now nah, it's on the tip of my tongue. Hold on, give me two seconds, Logan. Okay, one, two. Rick, you got it, mate. Yitka Kumkova. That's it. That's the couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Who am I playing for? Am I playing for me? You're playing for you. You're playing for the house. You're playing for the jackpot. Kyle, I'm sorry. I should have just said it. I should have just said it. Does that mean Kez has to leave now because he got that wrong? (laughs) 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 No, mate. It's sort of it's it's loose rules here when we play it like this, mate. So it's a bit more for fun. Second question: Who are the current champions of the A League Women's League? I feel like we had something similar to this last time we played. When I played and disappointed poor Smithy. Um, I also like neither of you actually said your name for buzzers yet. Yeah, so. exactly. There's, there's lots of umming going on. Mm. Oh. If I have a guess, does Jake get a guess? Yeah. Oh no, no. If he gets it wrong, it's over to Ricardo. You, okay. Me and Jake sort of playing a bit of tag yeah. team here just to get yeah. Ricardo. Okay, you know what, Kieran? Yep. Melbourne City. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Mm, feel like Ricardo might potentially get another wicket here. Yeah, potentially, potentially. Actually, I was, I, I'm struggling to remember. No, you know, Rick, stop playing the game. Okay, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to roll with the Crestown, Crosstown rivals and go Melbourne victory. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, third title there for Melbourne victory. Uh, Potentially a little tricky question there if you weren't listening, but Sydney FC were the premiers of that season as well. Mm. So, yep, Melbourne victory. So, you're two for two, Ricardo. So, 150 uh, jackpot is on the line here. But, hey, Kurt from Palmy, Kyle from Whitehall, you could still potentially win the $100 TAB bonus bet here. But for that to happen, one of these guys have to get this right. Okay. So here we go. So, oh, I love, I love when the music dips out. Here we go. This one's hard. I mean, it's stumped. 
Don't argue with me here. This is stumped. This is the rules as I make them up as I go. <laughs> Which Wellington Girls School have the Phoenix recently gone into partnership with as part of their Women's Academy program? So I'm not from Welly. I feel like it would have to be a Welly school. That just makes sense, doesn't it? What? Jay, he said it's a Welly school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought you said Welly. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think you clarified <laughs> the Wellington school part. Sorry there, mate. Missed that part. Jake, I've said the last two, so you got to have a crack. I tell you what, mate, I know zero skills from Where's Wellington. Where's B-Man when you need yeah. it? Our main oh, tech guy's too busy fixing They the were talking about schools before, though, but... Hmm. In Wellington. Give me, give me an answer here, guys. Surely we can get a clue so we can hook one of the boys up with a voucher. Yeah. Well... Because this has been shocking from Jake and I. Okay, mm-hmm. the name has a royal sound to it. Would it be quite topical? I'm not giving you a second clue there. Logan, how about a second clue there? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, boys. Come on. Saw yourselves out. Jake, you got this now. Look, I'm going to lock in something a wee bit skew-if. Not sure if this is a school, but let's uh, lock in, like, Queen's College. Queen's College. One of the worst things that is I have ever things. seen. <laughs> I can see where you're going yeah, with that. You're and, with the royal. And, that's but, what I said, but, but this is Queen concept. adjacent. It's St. Margaret's. One of the worst things. St. Margaret's. On a cricket field. Scots? Uh, you you kind of got your wires a bit crossed there, Ricardo. Mm-hmm. It was Queen Margaret College. Oh. So So between the two of you, there would have been a correct answer, but I need a correct answer. So we're going to shift. This is what we did last time, Ricardo. Queen Margaret. Queen Margaret. We're going to shift to the next to the the next topic in line. We're going to go rugby league here, guys. All right. (laughs) Who is the first player to be sinbinned two times in a match, twice? Don't point at me, Jake. Jake, don't point. Pressure is on. Kurt from Palmy, Kyle from Wairua. They're both they're playing for you guys. Because there was that one last night, wasn't there? Where there was well, that's what I'm just trying to seven say. yellows and so Ricardo, this is them trying to work things out like Smithy does. No, yeah. yeah, me and Jake are like a weird team right yeah. now. Yeah. We're, just, we're just trying to yeah. Because Ricardo is the quiz master here. Yeah. So, um, and I, I I don't watch rugby league. See, I just need a redemption after last time because. I yeah. need him just just okay. give me a name. Jake, just throw do you know anyone? I don't know. Okay, I'll just oh Kyle, I'm so sorry, mate. Kieran. Yep. Alex Johnston, I know it's not him because he scored his 30th. Oh. One of the worst yep. things yep. Yep. I have ever seen yep. done I know. on a I know, I know, I know. Logan, stop rubbing Come on. Me, Come on, Ricardo. Come on. So the question is who's the first player to be cinnamon twice in a match? Is that what you said? For the second time in their career. For the second time in their career. Victor Radley. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, underway. Steve goal. Price was my next go. That just, <laughs> that just shows my rubber league knowledge there. I'd have got no clue. You should have said Kempi, you would have been closer. <laughs> <laughs> we, might, we, might, we might have given you that well, anyway, just for comedic value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. so what that means, unfortunately, Kurt from Palmy, Kyle from Wairoa, you don't win today, neither... Does Kizzy or Jake? Ricardo wins. The house wins. $150 TAB bonus bet is what is up for grabs tomorrow. Can Kurt I just, just text it in the correct answer. Can I just say, Kyle, I'm so, so sorry, yeah. mate. Like, honestly, I yeah, think so I was set Kurt. up here. It was last minute, you know, my brain's a bit frazzled. I've just come in here. And Brian, figure out the bet there, Brian. You can title this 
the worst stump by Smithy ever seen. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll, don't, I'll happily don't take involve that. me in this, mate. Don't no, involve yeah, me. I've already is, been no, roasted no, for yeah, the past okay, few you can months about it. mine. Who's the who's the worst stumped twice in a row? There's your there's your there question, you go. Jake. Yeah, Jake. Um, thank yeah, you very much, both. team. Done. All right, thanks, boys. Thanks for not much uh, for coming in. <laughs> uh, Nineteen away from midday here on Mornings with Smithy. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It's uh, 14 away from midday here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. He is, of course, being part of the Sky Sports team covering the Chapel Hadley series out of Australia. He'll be back for you Wednesday. A couple of pieces of news that have come through in the last hour. One of them is that uh, Gemma Lewis who has been the under-20s coach for the New Zealand women and the A-League women's coach for the Wellington Phoenix, has uh, left her role. She has stepped down to go back. She's a former Welsh international player. She's going back to Wales to be a pathway manager uh, for the Welsh FA, which means that Natalie Lawrence, who has been her uh, assistant, has stepped up. She has already been named as the replacement, so she will be the head coach for the Wellington Phoenix women's team for the coming season. They've already contracted 13 of the 18 players uh, they need for their squad, so hopefully minimal disruption uh, yet to hear who will be uh, her assistant going forward, but uh, hopefully Natalie will join us tomorrow here on Mornings with Ian Smith and we can get uh, some of that news for you. And I tell you, if you're a fight fan, Here's some big news. If you're a fight fan and you um, haven't been able to watch boxing in a long time because it's on pay TV, well, world-class boxing prospects David Naika and Hemi Ahiho will follow in the footsteps of the great David Tua and showcase their talents to a bumper live free-to-air Kiwi TV audience in October. Yep, TVNZ are going to show live boxing for the first time since 2007. On October the 16th, both fighters have been named on the undercard of the big world title fight out of Melbourne between George Cambosis Jr. and the current undisputed world champion Devin Haney. That's taking place in Melbourne October 16th. It is going to be live on TV here in New Zealand, and we're going to have a couple of Kiwi on the undercard, which is great news. Um, there's some big, been some big numbers. Boxing is loved in this country. In fact, you know the last time we had a fight here in this country that was on live to air TV, uh, like a world title fight, was David Tua when he fought against Lennox Lewis in 2000. The numbers that that attracted was 200,000 more than people that watched the wedding of Charles and Diana. It was 83% of the entire country tuned in. I remember that day so well because I'm pretty sure that was also also the launch of the Channel 4, the fact that we had a fourth channel in New Zealand <laughs> on free-to-air TV. Wow, crazy to think that was so long ago. And I remember that like as clear as day because there was the Tour Linux fight going on. I was really excited about uh, Beavis and Butthead coming to TV here in New Zealand. <laughs> on Channel 4 had that. Oh, yeah, on Channel 4. Yeah, that was huge. So the fact that we're now going to get more like premier boxing like that on Fruity Air TV here in New Zealand, uh, that's just going to be awesome. And, I mean, you know, we, we had a stumped question last week about David Nico's four pro fights. He's won them all. So really looking forward to seeing how his career progresses here. And this is a great moment for him. Yeah, indeed it is. And uh, we are going to have David Nika on the show tomorrow from 11 o'clock as well. So if you're a fight fan, make sure you tune in to catch that. When we come back, we're going to catch up with Mark Stafford and find out what's happening on SCNZ from midday.
Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.